Hello, and welcome to Making COP26 Count, a podcast series based on the FIMBIS 2030 webinar supported by ICAS, One Young World, and Chartered Accountants Worldwide. In this episode, we hear from our host, David Nussbaum, as he introduces the themes and topics of the webinar and talks first to Claire Martin, Associate Director at Grant Thornton, with responsibility for sustainable growth and business resilience planning. And then to Sarah Becker, a chartered accountant whose clients include many regional Australian primary producers. Hello, everybody. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And welcome to today's Making COP26 Count webinar, hosted by Chartered Accountants Worldwide and the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Scotland, ICAS, in partnership with One Young World. Uh, My name is David Nussbaum. I'm currently the Senior Independent Director of Drax Group PLC. I'm a board member of the Value Reporting Foundation, a member of ICAS, and until October, I was the Chief Executive of The Elders, a group of about a dozen former presidents and other global leaders working on peace and human rights. And I'm pleased to be your host today, taking you through this exciting webcast. As you'll have seen, we've got a diverse panel of speakers who've joined us today to reflect on COP26 and tell us about how they are taking action in their communities to drive a just transition and mitigate the climate crisis. Now, for those who might not be quite sure what we mean by a just transition, it's described by Greenpeace, no less, as moving to an environmentally sustainable economy without leaving workers in polluting industries and others behind. Well, we're thrilled to welcome over 1,300 attendees from 68 countries today. Wow. Uh, That proves that this is such a great international concern and interest matter. And our four panellists come from different places around the world and work in a variety of industries. They are joining us digitally today so that we can have a lively conversation about what changes are happening in their industries, what still needs to be done, and how we can each contribute. Well, I wonder what you thought of COP26. I remember being at COP15 in Copenhagen in 2009, where countries failed to reach any significant agreement. But I was also at COP21 in Paris in 2015, when finally there was global agreement on keeping average temperature rises to well below two degrees. Well, on the one hand, COP26 delivered pledges to reduce methane emissions, reverse deforestation, amongst others. And I was delighted to see when ICAS published its 10 takeaways from COP26 that the first item on the list was the launch of the ISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board. On the other hand, countries agreed only to phase down coal rather than phase it out, and the richer countries are still not delivering the $100 billion a year they indicated several years ago. So what are we to make of COP26? Well, my own sense is that we might react to the overall outcome much as my parents might have reacted to some of my school reports. You know, not as good as we'd hoped, but a lot better than it might have been. Anyway, today we want to discuss what this is going to look like on the ground, as it were. Is it possible to meet the targets the world has set 
in a just way? How do our panelists see this happening? From a CA based in Glasgow, whose work includes being part of a UK restructuring energy team to a CA working in a family practice advising clients in rural Australia, from a climate reality leader who has worked in West Africa and Latin America and at the International Renewable Energy Agency, to a consultant and strategist in a leading global energy transition consulting practice. Wow, what a range of people we have with us today. So I'm looking forward to widening my perspective and understanding of the prospects and opportunities for tackling climate change and the roles that chartered accountants can play. And with their range of perspectives, I'm wondering how are our panelists each tackling these challenges? And I'm looking forward to them inspiring each one of us to act in our own life and work in whatever ways we can. So on to our speakers themselves. Our first speaker today is live in Scotland, appropriately enough, from Glasgow. Claire Martin is an ICAS member and is Associate Director at Grant Thornton, where she supports sustainable growth and business resilience plans. She's also a One Young World Ambassador. So Claire, what do you see as you advise your clients about the implications of climate change? Thanks, David, for the introduction. And I think, yeah, as you say, just a little bit of, of scene setting. Um, I'm based in, in Glasgow, and it really was incredible to see um, the energy in the city during COP26 and its, in its reach. And um, just by way of brief aside, my own nephew, was, who's the age of eight, was discussing COP26 at school and, and its goals. And I think that it really will have a, a lasting positive impact on the people of Scotland and, and their actions, and, and really looking forward to discussing with everyone today, our views on, on what action it will bring, bring globally and, as you say, um, what we are seeing from an um, advisor perspective. Location is also an important point for me to address, just referencing um, the 2019 legislation that the Scottish Government brought in to make legally binding commitments for Scotland to be net zero by 2045. Um, and one of our government ministers actually has just transitioned as a named portfolio area, so really um, keen to, to discuss that further today too. So in my role at GT, um, as you say, I work in the business advisory team, supporting businesses in times of challenge or change to ensure they're resilient and on a sustainable growth path, um, working across a number of sectors, um, but with a particular interest in the energy sector, working on large-scale renewable projects and ensuring that they are viable and offer supply chain benefit. Um, so COP26 reflections from the perspective of an accountant in practice and an advisory role, I think it's Fair to say the concept of the, the Paris Agreement was pretty well understood by the general public prior to, prior to the run-up to COP26, but almost as a, a government-level problem to solve. And really prior to the last 24 months or so, out with conversations with those in the public sector involved in the planning of COP26, wasn't really much of a talking point with businesses or other advisors. And then as we got closer to it, all of our local market conversations with other intermediaries did bring up COP and there was a real acceptance, I think, from the advisor community here that the outcomes of COP, direct or indirect, would have a long-lasting impact on how we see the market and how we interact with clients. ESG concerns really a, a market imperative for the mid-market. And so the challenge for us is then how do we discuss and communicate these points as professional advisors for businesses that are not yet in the mindset of prioritising ESG or net zero into their business plans the recent Chartered Accountants Worldwide survey um, referenced just 16% of those interviews thinking 
that their organisation was on track to achieve net zero by 2030. So um, still still a long way to go. But I think um, for me, a real positive of COP was the, the corporate buy-in um, uh, and some of the really significant fringe announcements from, from the corporate community that we should see as, as genuine positives and not as a, a greenwashing exercise which from our perspective and, and from an advisory role brings into sharp focus the impact of such announcements on the supply chain of businesses that large businesses have already made significant net zero um, commitments. These types of customer are going to look to have suppliers embed into their own um, business the same net zero goals uh, and be able to evidence it back to those customers. Um, so management teams of mid-market and SME businesses in those supply chains really need to be thinking about um, the kind of post-COP net zero mindset world now. So in terms of high-level actions, really early engagement with your key players um, is absolutely fundamental, being your customers and your lenders and the influence they will have over ESG and net zero conditionality embedded into future contracts and access to finance. It's very much an emerging area for lenders but good to have those conversations early. Um, don't fall behind the competition. Um, customers are really recognising the value of suppliers that are already addressing ESG concerns, um, but, but also that will need investment from, from you as a business. Draw on external support um, where you can would be another one um, and see it as a, a worthwhile investment of management time. We're um, finding a lot of management teams um, really fatigued by all the challenges that, that COVID has brought to them over the last um, year or two. Um, and so and some are putting it on the back burner um, in terms of the net zero agenda and, and really um, that there's not, not the time to do so. Um, so I think, yeah, just that hopefully sets a little bit of the scene around some of the kind of actions and, and areas where we're certainly working with, with clients on at the moment um, around that um, business plan um, forecast um, interrogation and really challenging the status quo with a, a net zero lens. Um, probably just closing from an advisor perspective on, on two points. This is very much a new and emerging area. So advisors are not coming to businesses with all the answers, um, but really keen to, to work and support them alongside them. Um, and if you are um, here in the audience as someone that engages with professional advisors, make sure you're challenging them on what their own ESG commitments are and make sure you've got advisors on side that are um, actually practicing what they teach. So that's probably a, a point to, um, to close on for now before the panel. Great, thank you very much, Claire. And especially thanks for those insights into the changes that are happening for businesses of all sizes and how the increasing focus on ESG considerations is demanding responsiveness from business even despite the pressures of the pandemic that, of course, we're all experiencing.